This week on Trek Mary Kill, Klingons cast Duras. Next, UPN Wednesday, the accused. I am not your enemy. The charges. He has committed an act of war. The verdict. Death. A Klingon tribunal brings Enterprise to its knees. The rest of your attempt is out of the question. A powerful all-new Enterprise. Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill, a Star Trek podcast that spends too much time in the law library and not <laughs> enough in the battlefield. We continue our Trials of Season 2 theme month with Judgment, the 19th episode of Star Trek Enterprise's second season. It aired on the United Paramount Network April 9th, 2003. So this is the 20th anniversary of this lauded episode, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, teleplay, <laughs> teleplay by David A. Goodman from a story by Taylor Elmore and David A. Goodman, directed by James L. Conway. Memory Alpha describes it, Archer is charged by a Klingon tribunal for helping rebels try to escape the Empire. So here we are in another tribunal, another alien court. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I guess before we get into the particulars of the episode, I just want to run a couple of things by the audience here. David A. Goodman, who was on staff for the show, got to start writing sitcoms. His first show was Golden Girls. Oh, amazing. He is a, basically a big comedy writer, but he was always, has always been a huge Star Trek fan. And for now 20 years almost, he's been uh, one of the executives or like board members for the Writers Guild of America. He was on the board uh, for WGA West. He was on the board for the last strike in 2008. Am I getting that right? 2007. Um, And then he uh, was the president for this most recent strike. So he's he uh, contains multitudes. He's a a writer, he's a drama writer. He's written the biographies for Captain Kirk and Jean-Luc Picard, you know, the licensed official uh, biographies. And then like a like a history of the Federation just a massive Trekkie and um, obviously working on the show is a dream come true for him. Um, and then Taylor Elmore uh, worked on justified and which is based on an Elmore Leonard novel. So it really screws my head to see his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I'm like, is he related to Elmore Leonard? No, he has nothing. Just, they share one name, but it's not even the last name anyway, but he dropped out of high school in the early nineties uh, <laughs> to play in some grunge bands. And then he just turned his attention to screenwriting and so I just saying that these kind of diverse backgrounds uh, informed the writing of this episode and of this particular second season of Star Trek. Remember, I was very big on it. Turns out a lot of the shows in their second season are like, we need to just we're out of ideas. We need a courtroom episode. Yeah. <laughs> and Enterprise was no, no exception. But this one goes it goes even farther than the other ones because it actually goes even further which one no, farther is distance this one goes even further than all previous efforts because it takes the entire history of star trek up to april of 2003 and and says what if we put all the court episodes into one episode <laughs> and so, so even though you've got david goodman who's this creative guy you know big brain he's very smart taylor Amore, a lot of experience I'm just, i guess i'm just saying this because it's like at the end of the day this is a star trek fan film 
what if Captain Archer was in Star Trek Six instead of mm-hmm. uh, and, and in the Klingon court? Have you ever watched any Star Trek fan films, Kristen? I'm very curious to know. What do you think, Brian? <laughs> I'm so this is why I'm asking because I'm like I can imagine. So at the turn of the century, these were this is when it really started to gain gain uh, momentum sort of, you know, as it became easier for people to produce things on video and also post them on the internet for people to see them, you know, that that's when it really did start to kind of begin or flourish, I should say. Um, and so I just, there's a part of me that's like, surely by accident you've run into well, one and secondhand embarrassment maybe compels you to turn it off. Uh, you know, just that kind of well, thing. Well, I have seen Galaxy Quest, which is a Star Wars or Star Trek fan film, so... <laughs> But no, okay, absolutely not. Not okay. even by accident. Absolutely, I wouldn't even know where to go to watch something like that. Wait, is this like just people like editing stuff together from existing oh, no. Star Wars? Um, or Star Trek? Oh, I keep saying Star no. Wars. I'm so sorry. <laughs> How dare you? No, it's like I can't fathom this. That's why I'm like, no, this must be a Star okay. Wars thing. I've seen that. I've seen people do that. All right, so I love Star Trek so much that I'm doing a podcast, uh, which, you know, mm-hmm. podcasting, striking while the iron's hot. But you're not getting but, your neighbors to act in some goofy well, video. They, they, <laughs> I think they largely started by, like, those Star Trek groups, the the fan groups that, uh, uh, that we, you know, they, they go on away team missions. Like, like a, a LARPing group. thing, but someone brought a yes, camera. But, okay, exactly, okay. exactly. And they'll write episodes and all that stuff sort of there's like even more professional versions of that though like you know especially a lot of visual effects people you know in their spare time they'll just do you know enterprise models star trek models do star trek you know space battles so some of these get very pretty sophisticated but like this guy james Colley, who made a lot of money doing elvis impersonations like i think yeah like he started one called star trek new voyages they've had uh, George Takei in it. They've had uh, Walter Koenig's wow. been on the show reprising their roles and um, and you know figuring out reasons why they're all old looking now. But DC Fontana wrote an episode like they've so like there's a it's like a semi pro situation that happened for a while and then when J.J. Abrams took over the movie franchise, Paramount realized we must stop all this. The fans uh. who enjoy doing stuff on our behalf, we must stop that. So we must stamp out that joy. But what I'm getting at is in fan films, you see a lot of recycling, if not lines of dialogue and ideas, like whole scenes, characters, you know, siblings, of, which is why Discovery was so funny. Spock had a secret sister all along. The Mary Sue kind of stuff, mm-hmm. the self-insertion stuff, that all plays in there. And so it was just funny watching this. And I remember watching this episode in college. Now we're talking about judgment, turning it on. And then like this is this, I was going to graduate like six weeks later, after, like after this episode. So I was just like, you know, <laughs> trying to avoid that last push into adulthood where I'm like, I'm going to watch Star Trek. And what do I see? Something from Star Trek six, something that came out 12 years earlier. I'm like, I've already seen an Enterprise captaining in court. And it was Captain Kirk, not Jonathan Archer. Why are we yeah. seeing this? So uh, anyway, now I want to ask you about this. How do you feel about Star Trek six? Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've watched it, actually. Um, but I generally like most of the Star Trek movies, but I'm rewatching all of them. I think I'm um, up to Star Trek five right now. 
the uh, the much derided and 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 rightfully so uh, Star Trek Five, but still, <laughs> in in my old age, I'm like, no, they're just some old dudes hanging out and having fun. Oh. That's, that's wait, no, charming. which one is the Five then? Uh, Cybok, Spock's brother, who oh no no no, I'm through Four because I was like, I like Four. Yeah, yeah the, the whales. Whale. I mean, the whale story is a little f-ing hokey, but like the reason <laughs> they gotta go get the whales. It's hokey as hell, but yeah, I, I'm just like, okay, forget it. Let's <laughs> just a, go on. It's like yes. watching Tenet, like, just forget that <laughs> the stupid part and just you know, enjoy it for what it is. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially our age, um, they got into it through the movies. I mean, yeah, that wasn't exactly my thing, but I think the movies were when I really got a, a nice chunk of exposure to like the original cast and then you know so yeah that's star trek six though was is a good movie and this episode pretty nakedly takes quite a lot from it (laughs) and in a way that's that was distracting 20 years ago and in the rewatch i have found not as distracting so i guess 32 years removed from seeing uh star trek six now i'm i can accept that it is what it is to that point, of all the episodes references to past Star Trek productions, the script notes only that the set of the Klingon Tribunal Chamber <laughs> of this episode is, quote, similar to the one in Star Trek Six. Oh, OK. <laughs> I mean, it's just I think, you know, Enterprise, maybe the promise of the premise for people working in the town at the time was like, oh, a prequel to Kirk and Spock. We can do earlier iterations of what was in the original series, right? That's, and a lot of older guys, there are a lot of Star Trek fans who are older than us who are just like, it's the original series and I'll acknowledge that the next generation exists, but like none of the other stuff does. And as someone who watched all the other stuff to kind of watch them recycle all the next generation and Deep Space Nine stuff too, uh, was disorienting. That includes going all the way back to like everyone's ancestors, you know, so Duras, the evil Duras. Well, turns out his bloodline has always been shitty. <laughs> They've always been assholes. <laughs> the uh, Nudian Singh syndrome we have here. Right. It's like monsters, all of yeah. them. Yes. So here Just we a go. real shit bloodline there. That's right. So Duras's dad in The Next Generation he was the one who betrayed the Klingons, but because they were more powerful than than Worf's dad, they pinned it on Worf's dad and Worf, to keep the Empire together, accepted discommendation. But here we have, in Judgment, we have uh, an ancestor of, like, the great-great-grandfather of Duras's dad, who was also named Duras, so that's where he got it, that's where the name came from. Uh, and he's you know, kind of like a a lying piece of shit here too. But it's like, they're just doing the thing they did in Star Trek six, where Worf's ancestor is played by Michael Dorn in the trial. (laughs) Just, ah, why are they doing this? Also, I, maybe I'll get into this later, but like we, the last episode we recorded was the deep space nine trial episode. And it was so similar. Yes. Yeah. So similar. It was like, oh, God, here we go again. 
where like the outcome's already known, you can't really provide evidence yeah. on your behalf. And in that case, or in that case, they're definitely trading on. Well, nobody watched Deep Space Nine, but that was a Which good idea. We'll many more people them. watch Deep Space Nine than watch this horse shit. I'm almost guaranteed. <laughs> okay, like I don't want to. I don't know, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that. Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, unfortunately, but I will say this because whenever I say the name Duras and I I did ask Kristen to put a little uh, sinister Duras because that piece of shit murdered Kalar and it still upsets me, even though it's completely fictional. And even if it wasn't, it won't happen for hundreds of years. I'm still really mad that Kalar is dead and Duras and his whole bloodline. All of them. Not a, not a single good one among them. <laughs> uh, in the Star Trek fan collective Captain's Log collection. So I think that was like a, yeah, it was a DVD set, like select episodes on a sampler DVD disc, maybe a Blu-ray. Scott Bakula chooses this episode as his favorite. Well, maybe he's a big fan of Star Trek six. So uh, I like that. It's got to be right. Like, My, honestly, it's a good episode for him. It's a, if you divorce it from the all the shit it's ripping off or just beg borrowing and stealing from, it's fine, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, like the, you can uh, you can soberly assess assess it. So you know, I guess I'm still like still that initial viewing twenty years ago still sticks with me. Like, why are they doing this? They're they're <laughs> halfway through season two and they're like, we're out of ideas. Let's just nope. Captain Kirk Go back to the well. Yeah, yeah, the entire novelty of Captain Kirk being on a trial in the heart of the Klingon Empire. They killed his son. They were the the bad guys throughout all the original series. No, let's undermine all that by having fucking Jonathan Archer like just stand there and look around, going like, "Wow, what production value!" You know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Very, it's very sweaty in in the setup. Um, but I actually think there's some real nuggets here, some juicy nuggets mm-hmm. to get into here. I, well, I have a thought unrelated to this specific episode. So I usually skip the theme open because I hate that song. But this time I sat through it. And I noticed that they have a photo or still image or whatever of the space shuttle Enterprise which is a real-life space shuttle. Mm-hmm. However, the space shuttle Enterprise was named after the Enterprise in the original series. So what the f*** are we doing here? <laughs> it was originally going to be called the Constitution, <laughs> but there was a letter-writing campaign by Trekkies, and Gerald Ford said, actually, NASA... I wanted to be called Enterprise. And so they did. And the whole cast of the original series was there. Uh, it's like unveiling. Um, although this space shuttle was actually not capable of That's actual right. space flight. It was an orbiter. But still, it That's was... Part, yeah. The most disheartening thing I've ever read as a burgeoning Star Trek fan. I was like, what? They actually named a space shuttle Enterprise? Why don't they have that? And then I read about the real one. I'm like, it wasn't even in space. Come on. Well, it was really high up there. It was about as, that was the first, I think the first one they had that could go that high. And then they were going to reconfigure it 
for space flight, but then like, eh, seems like it's just easier to make a new one. It used to be at the Smithsonian, but it's now at some um, like air museum in New York or whatever. So I have questions like, <laughs> are we in a time loop? What's happening? It's the history well, of flight. And they're like, let's put up Enterprise. What's it named well, after? Hmm. <laughs> so that was just a little straight thought for me. I was like, wait just a goddamn minute. Because I've seen that photograph of the cast in front of the space shuttle. One of the most 1970s <laughs> photographs ever yeah. taken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I mean, I'm so glad you sat through the credits because for some reason I did as well. And it made me think a couple of things. One, it's very hard to have a captivating teaser. Cold, you know, you're uh-huh. trying to shock people or hook them in. And they're like, whoa, what's going to happen? He's on trial <laughs> in, in the, on the Klingon homeworld. <laughs> then, and then that, and then the song, which we can't sing, right? Because then we'll have to pay for it. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I couldn't... <sighs> It is. But, uh, that song gets worse every time I hear it. Not sure wife, that was possible. Sometimes like songs can grow on you. Not that one. Well, I mean, listen, th- there was some scope in the opening and they were certainly trying to go for it and, and sell it real quickly. Like, this is a big deal. What's going on? I think they pretty much did that. Like, even my wife was interested. She's like, whoa. And then as soon as the song started... <laughs> Just her face. She's like, what's this? Yes. <laughs> like, I can't yes. even begin to tell you. Did you have to did you tell her the whole story? No, it was more she forgot about it because when I, I I've already told her the story, but it's like <laughs> you kind of sometimes you just forget. Remember, remember in Star Trek four when they actually finished traveling through time and then the mm-hmm. ship blacks out and then they remember, oh right, the probe. That's exactly yeah. the feeling mm-hmm. with the theme song. <laughs> Yeah, and for those who did not listen to our first episode that we did on it on Star Trek Enterprise, oh well, at the time we just called it Enterprise. The song was originally written for the film Patch Adams. <laughs> that's a good straight thought. It, I mean, yeah, I, I so I usually skip it, and that's how I missed it till this time of you know the the time loop or whatever. Exactly. What is it? No, there's a. What's it? There's, isn't there like a the paradox? All right, no, it's like yeah, it's a continuity error. Big one. Sure. Yes. But they, yes, they, they, they thought it would be best to do it without fully realizing the implications of it. But it's like, it's definitely, this show is much like the new shows. It's like, okay, there's been enough Star Trek in the world. Let's make a Star Trek that's commenting on Star Trek. So I think there's that going on from the beginning of the show. Um, And that led to that more than anything else, but. It does break reality. It breaks the reality of the show. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the least of the show's problems, though, really. <laughs> really talking about <laughs> great scenes. So I didn't really say this is no much a great scene, but I really enjoyed that Klingon gavel. <laughs> it's like a glove, like a, a metal glove with a big, like the claw hand that's holding a metal orb. And you just, the judge is just slamming it down. It looks very cool. Yeah, I think the the whole um, courtroom, for lack of a better term, looks really cool. Yeah, no, it looks great. Because, you know, guess what? 
It's based on Star Trek VI. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to figure out, I mean, they obviously doubled, like used photographic trickery to make it look bigger, just as they did in the movie. But also I was trying to see if they didn't really bother with making it look like the crowd was more than the 10 guys in Klingon makeup. And actually (laughs) they did a really good job of changing where they stood shooting them a little bit differently so that when they like, there's that shot where you're on one side of the room and then it whips over to the other side. Those are almost certainly the same guys. Yeah, for sure. But they're kind of in different positions. They're wearing slightly different things. Um, And then even when they're stacked on top of each other, there's that looking down shot and you see like two levels and it's like, Oh, they're not like just perfectly in sync. Like a lot of like the, the digital crowds that we see now. So it's like, that's some thought. So at least they were like, hey, if we're going to take from Star Trek six, let's let's at least put some extra effort in. Yeah. Um, I also put that, you know, Dr. Flock's visiting Archer in jail and like loudly saying that he's probably contagious. And then the jailer being like, Ugh. <laughs> I, I, you know, a little doctor humor, I guess. The old faking that the person in the cell has a disease and you have to visit them. To mm-hmm. get access to them. Highly contagious. Yes, exactly. And it's apparently the same condition that Dr. McCoy will have in For the World is All and I Have Touched the Sky. So it's another mm. reference. Um, and then Archer and the Advocate, basically all the jail cell, jail cell scenes with them. But again, I felt like it was so reminiscent of the episode we just watched of like um, Odo and O'Brien kind of like yeah so i mean there's what's going on is like archers on trial because some um, refugees basically who have left a world that was conquered by the klingons and they're like starving and have no resources mm-hmm. yeah they all took klingons all the resources took, yeah and then didn't and then just said oh we'll come back and then they didn't and then the enterprise pick sorry enterprise picks them up and and then somehow at some point archer is captured and put up for trial for you know, fomenting a rebellion. Um, but Kolos, his attorney, basically, J.G. Hertzler is the actor playing him. And it's Martok from Deep Space Nine. So yeah. like, again, they're just recycling everybody. But uh, I mean, I'll talk about this later, but he's giving a different performance than he's not just doing Martok here. But I think that's interesting that you say that because um, I think it was the structure was there. It was definitely copying a lot of the tribunal scenes. O'Brien and Odo and his uh, attorney. But there is actually something different here. And it was sort of contextualized with the time where what's Kolos doing? He's complaining kids today. Mm -hmm. He's saying that the world is changing around him and he doesn't recognize it. And people won't stand up for the old ways or for truth and justice. And I was trying to figure out the timing of this. And I'm not sure if the U S if, citizens knew what was going on with, you know, Guantanamo Bay and all that stuff, but all that stuff had started. Yeah. Well, I think we definitely had already been, there was talk at least in the press about tribunals, either they be future or current. And I think from like Bush v. Gore through that, I think that was, that's the context for his character of 
this old this thing I fought for, this truth and justice, this system I was a part of and was successful in has now is now changing and morphing. And then here he's blaming on the young people. But sure, you can blame changes on the young people. But I don't know. I, they're not the ones in charge running the system. So I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. misplaced anger. But uh, I did like all their scenes. I thought that there's a lot of nice acting and pretty solid for, from on both sides. Um there's three, I think there's three main scenes between them. Yeah. In the jail cell. Um, and I also liked the flashback scene to where the Enterprise crew is trying to figure out how to kind of evade this Klingon ship without, you know, like starting a war. And like they can't really outrun them at the moment. So they have to do something. And I like that the entire crew is just, well, not the entire crew, but you know, the main guys and, and gals are trying to come up with a solution for it and i like that type of star trek interaction like the problem solving um when it's not just oh let's just shoot them or whatever yeah i liked the the flashback scenes too because you they also did the whole uh rashomon type thing right well not really it's just a straightforward testimony you know duras is is uh you know embellishing or mischaracterizing telling I mean, his he's own full, version he's of full of shit yeah and then archer's telling his version of the story um which we should accept as the truth that's our main character or it's our captain so that mm-hmm. was that i just thought it was weird that duras was saying like and he fired first i'm like why and would then he added and that? then he added a klingon insult to the klingons too like yeah. that's like Death a little the over the top yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like got it's not even down. close to believable yeah. but everyone's like oh yes of course yeah so i liked the uh testimony scenes too so there's two of those and they're actually pretty long because they had the mm-hmm. flashbacks built into them so more and more Kristen, there's there's good chunks of the episode i actually kind of like <laughs> i thought we're yeah, good <laughs> i didn't had i watched this i don't know six weeks ago or something like I would have been like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been as upset about the star Trek six stuff, but like you had told me this was coming. Like you were telling me for weeks (laughs) (laughs) that just to warn you, like this is coming, like this is just star Trek six and it kind of undermines the whole Kirk on trial from the whole film. So, but yeah, like that's obviously a problem, but like I, there's things about this episode to like. Yeah, I mean, but then you get to the end, and you know Archer is able to fight and actually do a test, give his testimony. You get the Mister Smith goes to Washington or the big yeah. speech that Kolos gets to give. You know, lecturing the judge on one on the one hand, but also like defending his clients on the other, and capably. But then it goes right down to Star Trek Six, where Archer's even sentenced to life at Ruripente. And it's mm-hmm. just like, what? it's just, it's just. And then I did like the little wrinkle of like, because Coloss is complaining that he's like, well, you're going to go there for a year too. Yeah. Since you love him. So. <laughs> <laughs> but then I just think the whole, the air of the episode just gets sucked out of it. Like with the ending when they're in Ruripente and then Malcolm Reed, the most ineffective British man ever, who's supposed to be this badass security guy. He just waltzes in. Yeah, like through the back door. Yeah. Let's and go. And I was like, oh, 
But then there's like guards nearby and they they didn't notice that there's guys just leaving. I can understand that you could pay them all off. I get it. It's just like, but what? I get that you could do that in the abstract, in the abstract, but like in the reality of like, well, what were the stakes of this episode then? Yeah. Because, what what does mean, any of this matter? It All it does is it serves to undermine. Yeah, because it makes it seem like, oh, well, perhaps the Klingons will um, have some due process. And then it's like, no, you're going to the prison camp. And the only way out is that you escaped uh, in 90 seconds. That's there's not even like there's not even like a, a cool rescue scene. It's just like, no, hey, hey, boss, let's go. And I mean, it just it undermines. It really feels like a, a bad fan fiction fan film thing where it's just like there's no consequences. It, it it and it raises more questions than it answers. I gotta say this though about the last scene because I hated the escape. Twenty years on, I'm still like those fucking stairs. Can we talk about the fucking yeah. stairs? The ice <laughs> stairs. I mean, the ice stairs. Sure, just out to the exit. Freedom is right here, fellas. <laughs> That's right. It was here the whole time. <laughs> I mean, it looked more imposing and scarier and alien when they'd shot it in the movie. Um, and even that wasn't like it was like a complex set that they spent a lot of money on, but it just looked more interesting. But I guess what I'm saying is like 20 years later, my anger has subsided enough and that I'm I'm not I'm not like sitting there going like this is just Martok. This is all very tired. Like, I've seen this guy be a Klingon before. I've heard them talk about Klingon honor and all stuff, but they're not really talking about honor. You know, this isn't like a warp yeah. story. And and that's he's not being Martok. Like, he's got a different voice and mannerisms. Uh, he's trying to be a different character. And so, actually, 20 years later, as much as I hate that Archer just gets away and it's like, I was never there. Like, Enterprise <laughs> could just be lifted out of canon and it wouldn't matter. I love his thing of like, hey, Archer, you have reignited my passion for this, our system, for justice. Mm -hmm. And I got a win out of this because you kind of pushed me and I could see that I can I still have uh, I still got some game. So most of the reason why most of the people die here so quickly is they have nothing to live for on the outside. Well, I do. And so I actually really liked that ending. Uh, yeah, I really even though it's so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's like, why couldn't he just go? Like, there's like a version, like what if Kolos just goes to Rurapente and then Archer is like, well, I'm here to get you out of here. You save me and I'm going to rescue you. And he's like, no, I got to serve my sentence, man. That, that might've been made a little bit more sense. I don't know. But <laughs> like, it just was so stupid that Archer was sentenced because then we see Kirk sentence and it's just like, well, then none of this matters. It's all silly season stuff. Anyway. And like, there's not going to be any repercussions of, oh, hey, what happened to that human? What happened to him? Oh, he escaped. That's right. So we're watching <laughs> these all out of order. And, you know, the expanse, the episode that we did, you know, that was picking up on this. Like, that's why they're wow. after Archer. But like, it I is see. still, but it still is like, that's a bigger issue. Like this guy was, he went through their justice system and was tried. And then like, oh, he just escaped. Like that's going to cause like very a, easily. Yeah. It's going to cause an incident with, yeah. <laughs> with the Klingons. You would think uh, I will. I got to point out a couple of things though, Kristen. You got a lot of what you were hoping for in this theme month. Guilty. Yeah, so guilty. much guilty. 
Very like the, a lot of his gavel, stuff. like dink, dink. <laughs> the claw gavel. Oh, another thing I want to point out is what Discovery really. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to take a crap on Discovery, but I think one, the most interesting part of the Klingon conflict that they just ignored. You know, the show's called Discovery, and I promise I'm going to tie this in Enterprise. You've got a show called Discovery, so it's about a ship that's on the edge discovering new worlds. Well, what if they were, what if it was a build-up to the Klingon War instead of just happening in the first episode because Michael Burnham commits mutiny? It's like every planet, it's like a race to get to these planets before the Klingons arrive and like kill everybody and like destroy the natural habitats or all the scientific wonders and just conquer. That's what the Klingons do. Like that is very interesting to me. And then... They don't take care of their own people. It's almost like that cons- the that Frank Wilhoit uh, quote, the political scientist, conservatism consists of exactly one proposition. There must be in-groups whom the law protects but does not bind alongside out-groups whom the law binds but does not protect. So these, like, these people that have been conquered, they have no rights, but they have to follow all the rules. And, mm-hmm. and, and I like all that stuff like Discovery doesn't get into. I did appreciate that of all the callbacks that are in this episode, it harkens back to Aaron of Mercy, uh, where Kirk is trying to explain to the Organians like this is what the Klingons do. They install like a, a, a governor and he kills people to get them all in line. And it's like just a bunch of death and destruction. Um, so I appreciated that because that is the part of the like, how does how does being a Klingon work? How does the empire work? Uh, and we got a glimpse into that. And I thought that was a nice side of that conflict. Best Trek tropes. Uh, my first one is the Klingon prison food having fur on it. Um, so it looks like a penis and testicles when um, like a really gross one, like when <laughs> when Archer picks it up to eat it and it's got like fur and weird spots. Um, yeah. Just the, just the trope of Klingons eat weird shit, eat and drink weird shit is, you know, I'm glad that's consistent. Well, I think like that's like a fun prop thing to do too. They're like, let's make something really look that looks really fucking gross. He's told that that's Targ, which I thought the Targs were dogs. So basically, <laughs> they're feeding him Klingon dogs. Delicious. Yeah, uh, I have answering a distress call because oh. you know this is the purest form where they're answering you know people who are, have no food and like you see them and they they look like skeletons. Like they're so impoverished and, and, you know, nutrients. Yeah. They're in bad shape. They're in really bad shape. Uh, And I think it was a good job to sell it. Like two, (laughs) two crew members carrying one in each other, like one. (laughs) And they really go for like, they're going to double up. They're going to start bunk buddies on the enterprise Mm -hmm. while they transport them, like make room for them. Um, It, it really, I think, in a very short amount of time, shows how bad that situation is for those aliens. Um, I love Archer's self-righteousness being called out, but basically Archer's self-righteousness as a Trek trope. I feel like when you're a Star Trek captain, the self-righteousness has to be... I mean, how else are you going to command? <laughs> yeah. You have to have it. Um, I also uh, put the courtroom is shadowy, so you know they're, they're the bad guys. And we also got the Klingon <laughs> ship set, which also has the greats. With the light yeah. coming through it, yeah. The Klingons considering perhaps maybe allowing some due process solely because it's considered a bit honorable, <laughs> but for no other reason. 
Well, I really like the whole, there was that scene where he says, do you think that all Klingons are soldiers? And Archer just kind of goes, I, I guess I did. <laughs> yeah. And he tells him like, well, my dad was a teacher and my mom was a biologist and they wanted me to get into law. I mean, I guess it's interesting to think about like Worf being the perfect Klingon or like basically the Klingon based on all the stuff he's read about Klingons. Like there is mm-hmm. probably that version of like there is great honor in justice in like seeing justice through in the legal system. It's an interesting idea. I like that. And, yeah. And then also the mention of the the warrior cast like. Yes. Which is kind of a like how everyone just wants to be a warrior and no one wants to practice law. And I that also kind of touches on what some civilizations um, experience and brain drain. Basically, all your talented, smart people who are like intellectual just leave because it's not a great place to live. So you just have a bunch of usually like unskilled laborers. So there's a lot of countries that are going through that right now of, you know, it's obviously better to like move here and go to like University of Chicago or something than like stay at home and become like a minor. Yeah. If you like have any talent to get out. He really was like, kids these days, they're just killing for clout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is the only way to be honorable now is you got to kill yeah. somebody. And yeah. I also have a uh, Klingon blood, blood wine. Yeah. So hmm. it's strong. <laughs> Although Archer takes it like a champ. Right. There, you know, there's a part of me with Bloodwine where it's like it got used so much with uh, Deep Space Nine that I feel like there, this is almost a missed opportunity in that scene where it was like, here, have some wine. And then he goes, what, like, what kind of wine is Because it's almost yeah. like French fries in a way. Or like, you know what I mean? We just, just say like, what kind of blood? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a it's a term of art. It's not actual. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any more? No, I'm I'm good. Okay. Worst Trek tropes. No women at court. Yes. <laughs> Don't care for that. Uh, I know. I mean, I'm not even it's sure fully necessary. Yeah, I'm not so. even sure if you have to go to like if they made it today, there would there would be women in the court. Like we we've done uh, Strange New Worlds one. It was basically all women, but. I think even just like a different showrunner or a different executive team, there would have been a woman in this courtroom. It's weird that there's not. It's really. so weird. Like even like a bailiff or something like no mm-hmm. ladies. The judge. Like it's very strange um, at all. Like know, is the, and are we supposed to, is that supposed to be like a cultural thing for Klingons? Like women can't go to the courthouse. I mean, it seems weird that that would be the case. It's weird. It stands. I don't know. It's it's so it sticks out like a sore thumb because it just really seems like it's a just dudes for most of the episode. There's so few women on screen at any point. Yeah. Any other worst trick tropes? No, I mean, there's not. I mean, come on. It's, you know, a recycled storyline. That's what I had. So recycling (laughs) story elements, the battle with the Klingons even. Uh, where they ignite the plasma in the ring of that planet to get away. That felt a little bit like the battle between the Excelsior and Kang in Voyager's Timeless, where we find out that Tuvok was actually 
uh, on the Excelsior when Sulu was in Star Trek Six, ironically, oh. <laughs> and he's and and Sulu had it in his head to go on a rescue mission to try to get Kirk and McCoy out of Repente before the Enterprise did, or something like that. And and they do they fight a Klingon ship and they they ignite something to uh, disable the Klingon cruiser and get away. So you've got all these little uh, incursions going on that are like uh, extended universe kind of stuff. Yeah. And it all just makes it seem silly. It's like, you're the main show. You don't have to do the fan fiction side stories yeah. that, that don't matter. Um, all the over, you know, I, I put the emphasis on the blood wine, the targ meat, like the pain sticks and right down to like the, <laughs> the theatricality of the prosecutor suggesting vaguely Christopher Plummer's performance as General Chang. Don't wait for the translation. Answer me now. You know, he's just doing, uh, which I know is a quote from like, uh, I think the Nuremberg trials, but it's like, you know, it's like Christopher Plummer was very big in theatrical. Like, well, we want the same energy here. And it's just like, oh, there's just some, it's so stale. Yeah. Um, most of it's time quality. Uh, we've already mentioned the tribunals, but I feel like that was very on the tip of everyone's tongue. Like, that, yeah, like it was coming, could, like, right? I like, was trying, I was, was like, to... oh, yeah, we're going to have a tribunal for some of these war criminals, even though they were just going to kill them. So, yes, exactly. And like the ones who got tribunals are like people who like, I don't know, live next door to somebody who maybe was a suspect of something and have been de- were detained for like 20 years. Um, but I also put the special effects being TV quality. Um, there used to be a difference between movie quality and TV quality special effects. This one has TV quality <laughs> special effects. But however, some of those Klingon establishing shots were pretty good. That's my exact most of its time. I had a positive one. Yeah, I, I, that was ex- my exact one. I'm like, <laughs> there were a Pente was great. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I think it's just easier to do ice sheets. Yeah, you know, for landscapes like that makes sense that it's here's just one color and you have to adjust the lighting. But then they even had the like Klingon building and all that stuff. Yeah, so, like the the courtroom or whatever. But even in Repente, like, hey. they had, yeah, they had a, like a lens flare from the sun glinting off the ice. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was real. And it was, I mean, it was compared special. to what we saw in that. The nine eleven episode. Oof. Yes, yeah, that but was yeah, like um, stuff. Yeah, but yeah, there's some TV quality stuff like with the the ships and everything. I mean, it didn't look bad. It's just it's yeah. There used to be a difference. It's so weird that we. I don't. I can't remember us being this much in sync because I also. I think most of my of its times I'm I get real bratty and complain, but I. TV quality VFX, but like top, they looked great. But the wigs, this is not like an insult. It's just more like, yeah, I think the I wigs were of its time for sure. Yes. I think I mentioned this before. Like this was the Star Trek show that made the transition from film to digital. Um, mm. And, and like a high, re- high resolution. And, uh, and so I think the makeup prosthetic stuff hadn't yet quite caught up. I think, Halfway through season two, which is where this episode is, it was getting better. But I think they had a lot of issues in that earlier transition. So, um, but the wigs just like stand out of like, that's nowhere near real hair. So, like, just No, <laughs> like not even close. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm, it's not, it's a little bit better than Party City quality. But it's like kind of crummy wig shop quality. Like it's a wig shop. 
you know, they sell wigs, but it's not, these aren't the premium. These aren't the, the $10,000 wigs. <laughs> I did think that the makeup, the Klingon makeup, especially on Kolos on JG Herzler looked great. They, mm-hmm. they did a nice blending and made him look. Yeah. For the, for the ones who got close ups, it was pretty good. Um, so I have another one, the ice cube set or ice cave set. I mean, that was just, that was like Disneyland Matterhorn shit yeah. right there. Okay. Pre-refurbishment. Like it was not good. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like they're going to like a, a, the, Are you the, about the, Yeti, the, yeah, the Yeti's going to come out and go like, any second now. Have I already told you the story before? The last time I went on the Matterhorn was no. when I was like 12. And it was definitely before any refurbishments. But uh, well, you no hard... longer have to you no longer have to sit in the lap of the person in back of you. Right. But so we that has changed. <laughs> at the top before it starts descending, we you do that hard turn that takes you outside and, and back down in. And when we did the hard turn, it I heard a ting, 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 ting. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, this is an old ride. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, the last time I've gone on Matterhorn. And I have to say, as a like teenager riding that ride with like teenage boys, it's like, oh no, I've made a huge mistake. Like, we better get through this. Luckily, always did. But like, yeah. that's very precarious. You literally in the, are like in the lap. Yeah. Of the person in back of you. And they do it by height. Not anymore, though. You get your own seat. <laughs> you don't have to say anyone's lap. <laughs> the Yeti still looks cheap as hell, though. For real. Yeah. I mean, I think it's supposed to be the point. Because the noise is yeah. supposed to... Yeah, it's for kids. So. No, yeah. It's it's supposed to sound like you're about to die. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe that was just a sound effect that they added in. The, the sound like a bolt coming off from the track. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go to Disneyland next week and I'll write it and I'll tell you if it's still there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the line must be drawn here. Great lines. What's your success rate? I have performed my duty. <laughs> <laughs> Is that better than uh, how many cases have you won? <laughs> it's like that's not no, whatever it was. Know. Winning isn't everything. Yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> Uh, I it's not. So, I think but... he still delivered the. I think his look, his little uh, sly look, uh, was great though. When he said, "I have performed my duty," I thought that was good. Um, I have perhaps the prosecutor has grown complacent with his research. <laughs> um, just kind of a snide comment to the prosecutor. <laughs> When uh, when they are waiting for the verdict, and he's like, "Usually these are much faster." I must have been more persuasive than I thought. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, those are the only two I had. Um, I also had the very last line for the advocate when Archer's like, "Oh, you should come with me," and he's like, "No, I'm going to stay here." And then Archer says, "Well, you heard like you said yourself, like most people don't even last a year here." And then he says, most prisoners here have very little to live for. So he's going to stick it out. He probably died like three days later, but <laughs> you like a little postscript. He died on his way back to his home planet. 
All right. The Anton Critian Award for Best Performance. What do you have? Um, J.G. Hertzler as Colas. I think it yeah. was great. I, I think mean, it's for sure because he got like all the meaty stuff. You have to be like to play a Klingon, you have to kind of overdo it. But like yeah. he did that without it being ridiculous. And so it was very good. Yeah, I'm also comparing it to his Martok work and he's doing a different Klingon. So it's even more to me, it's even more impressive. I'm like, he's trying to do a different voice. He's trying to carry himself differently. You know, Martok was very quick to get cranky. Ah, why do they like he was always complainy or grumpy and uh, mm-hmm. or he'd be like, yes, or he'd get like, yeah, or he'd get like very Klingon, like, yes, this will be glorious. Uh, so I just. I really appreciated that he was a more measured person. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it'd be easy to overplay it. And he kind of does at the end, which kind of matches everybody else. But um, yeah, in, a, in an episode with a lot of big, loud performances, he was able to, you know, if, like you're looking at a studio mixing board. He really did mix all the levels really nicely. It was a nice balanced performance. Weird mm-hmm. to say about a Klingon. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, the Shatner. I I have I have one. The okay. Klingon Lady Warriors cleavage. Oh. And also basically okay. all the Klingons. Who am I saying? Yeah, I was gonna say like pretty much any Klingon, Klingon. in that courtroom except yeah. like yeah. Like but that woman, everybody. First of all, that woman and just like everyone else, she's like, We are your target. They are no match for us. And she's like perfect purposely doing a low she, voice. Yeah. But then it also looks like she was just cast because someone saw her in a bikini. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's really bunched up and thrust there. But. I mean, I think they also just gave him like the craziest push-up bras. Yeah. For any of also, those. Also, like, but... like Duras is talking. He's like, don't be a fool. Your ship is inferior. You won't survive a battle with us. Like a lot of the Klingon talking and even the prosecutor. I... It all sounds like video game dialogue. Like it literally well, says. I put down that like any time a Klingon is on screen when they're hailed, it is like, we got to chew the scenery or you're not going to get your money's worth or something like starving to death. Like just like like it's it's crazy but like i understand it's very difficult to just like i don't think you have like a scene partner in that right it's just somebody reading it's a script yeah it's it's like just i'm captain archer uh, of the enterprise please blah 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 and then that guy's like and so like the yeah yeah, there's a klingon on screen it's just like he's gonna go for it so I don't know if this should be a Shatner, even though it wouldn't be a, a negative tinge one, or if he should be a honorable mention for Anton Caridian, but the score in this one, because sometimes when I'm having to rewatch these or wanting to, I'll just listen to them while I'm doing other things. And so the, sometimes the music or like little inflections I hear even cl- more clearly and it makes me go and rewatch. But the score for this episode was fucking awesome. I didn't think there was any good Star Trek music pretty much after Deep Space Nine until we get to <laughs> Michael Giacchino. Like, literally that much time passes between Star Trek having good music. Velton Ray Bunch. So he only had done 13 episodes of Enterprise, which is not... So 
I don't know if it's because they couldn't get their normal group. I don't know if the people that like really tamped down on the music, having any personality were out sick, whatever, but this music (laughs) score had a lot of personality. It really amped up the proceduralness of it, but it wasn't so over the top because it's Klingon music. It wasn't any Mm -hmm. of that. There was like, really nice i guess harmonies or whatever so velton ray bunch he won the emmy in 2004 outstanding music composition for a series for an episode of star trek enterprise so it's not just me not saying this that. one not this episode oh, okay. for another episode uh so not just me recognizing like he he rocked the shit out of this star trek score so i don't know if that's a going for it and in, in a shatner way or if that's an, an honorable mention i think it way. should be an honorable mention yeah all right. What part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? Um, I put not a damn thing. Because... <laughs> well, it's like they can't talk about this incident. But oh, like, yeah. yeah, like no warning for Kirk. No, like, oh, hey, by the way, if you do get sentenced, <laughs> there's just a little back door and you just yeah. easy peasy. You're out, you know, a couple hours. The, like, even I our mean, dumbest security officer could find the way in. And there's Kirk a little tricks. nice, there's a nice little staircase. Yeah, a way to make the the crew of the Enterprise in Star Trek VI look like buffoons, where they're like, Rurapente, the galaxy's, the, it's called the galaxy's graveyard or something like that. It's like, and then Scotty says, better to kill them now and get it over with. And it's like, why? <laughs> so easy before. <laughs> so Paul's yeah. still alive. Call her up. <laughs> she yeah. can help you out. Hey, remember this? <laughs> like, Who yeah. It, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense that like it's not mentioned at all. Well, I mean, it's like just even, a weird even like record. someone of like, like understand it not being taught in the first year. Do you think that's some like classified information that you like yeah. let in, let certain people in on, you know, like the nukes or whatever or the alien stuff? Like, yeah, the I, I mean, 50 you, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you think Kirk is high enough to be like, hey, just in case it comes up. Yeah, we had a good well, we I mean, had like, a captain once who was on trial with the Klingons and here's how it went. I mean, it's just this just lends credence to my emotional thought that Enterprise can be ignored. That doesn't have to be canon. <laughs> Even though you because, said, yeah, it's the only one that's actually canon. I mean, somehow in these new iterations, it is still it's the only one that's actually been canonized because even Next Generation's been messed around with with Picard and all that stuff. But like I began because future guys in the pilot, they're already saying like, hey, listen, there's a time war going on. Like that kind of gives you the leeway to say like, ah, take it or leave it. <laughs> did, did a Captain Archer exist? Yes. Did all these adventures happen? Ah, maybe not necessarily. But that seems like a, enough a middle ground for me. When Especially when you have episodes like this. Yeah. Could this episode have been hornier and would that have made it better? I mean, we could have got like some prison sex or something, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We don't. We could have gotten into like what really happens at the Klingon prison. I guess I thought if you're gonna rip off all your other Star Trek court episodes, why not make the judge like Colossus X, like in Measure of a Man, hmm. man or woman? I mean, if they don't want to, if they're that dead set against casting a woman, I don't care. But just like give us a little tension there, or the prosecutor. Yeah, they're so dead set against casting yeah. a woman that they'd be like, well, let's just make them gay. <laughs> In two thousand three, probably not. Probably not I, no. I, I'm having a hard time <laughs> believing that one because it was like um, politically at the time, like yeah, you had like yeah. 
don't know if this it was is, quite yeah. yet, but we were it's like very close to yes. many <laughs> states just like outlawing same-sex marriage. Like we we're just like a few years away from that. But I mean, like L.A. law, Boston legal, the pre- like it's it was in the air. Like oh, the idea, Ali McBeal. Like it's in the air. Like the prosecutor could have been a woman, you know, mm-hmm. and and it yeah. is that's my wife or something. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. It's like that's the only angle I could see for this episode having been. Although I'm that's dying for the gay Klingon backstory. <laughs> dying. This is the problem with all the new stuff. It's like you're finding all these. Uh, you're not really finding any nooks and crannies. You're just constantly recontextualizing stuff to modernize it. And it's like, why not give us the the gay Klingon couple? Let's let's find out what's going on there. Like, like the just- gayest Star Trek has been is like giving Sulu a male partner in the movies, right? Well, Star Trek and then like no, uh, no, 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 no. And then there's like a okay, and then there's the mention in Strange New Worlds of um, when Deborah the Nebula is (laughs) and the little girl is rewriting the story that like two of the like female characters it's uh, reference their intimate relationship yeah but there's stamets and it's not even and real though. and that's you know that's like the big couple in discovery there and okay. actually played by two gay men so that's you know it's mm-hmm. that's the other thing it's like whenever star trek would give some representation usually it's just like oh terry farrell's kissing a woman for a scene and that's it <laughs> yeah but okay but about being horny yeah i guess would it have made it better no why not i think this episode was as good as it could have been well, if it uh, went full gay, it would be like the best Star Trek episode ever. Let's be real. That's why. That's why no one ever mentioned it at the Academy. <laughs> let's move on. All right. So, Trek, marry or kill Brian? Twenty years ago, me might feel betrayed by this, but I'm going to say a Trek and barely. Yeah, perhaps was, counterintuitively. <laughs> I think in a vacuum, it's not a bad episode at all. It yeah. had enjoyable parts to it. In fact, in a vacuum, it's actually, I would it's say, It's one of the better good. Enterprise yeah. ep- episodes yes. that I've seen anyway. Uh, David A. Goodman said that he was really happy with this one, even though he got a lot of complaints and a lot of shit for it. And it's probably for all the reasons we said. It's like, not dude, gay you're... enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I, was, no. I guess I'll write the guy a letter now. I'll be like, I just didn't think it was gay enough. That was my one complaint. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what that more. episode's real problem was. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Not, not that all of your scenes are written by other Star Trek episodes, but, <laughs> but it wasn't gay. It wasn't gay at all. So. No. I mean, so well, so you know what? It, we can't say it wasn't gay at all. Archer chomping down on some hairy meats. That was, oh, you know what? That was, maybe they were trying to just slide us a little gayness right was, there. Yeah, it looked, come on. Like, not at first when I saw it on the plate, but then it picks it up. I was like, oof. <laughs> I was trying for the life of me to figure out what uh, standing cell jail cell set did they shoot that on? Because it looked too established for them to have like thrown up and built for just that episode. And I know, I mean, you know this, like all around the Southland, there's prison like, break. 
there's like standing sets that are like yeah. there's a jailhouse or a courthouse a hospital. yeah exactly if you need to shoot on those so and it looked like it looked good i mean i didn't think it was bad but it also looked like this is someone else's stage that they're shooting it on so <laughs> only because it's like and all they had for props was literally that plate and the hairy meat and i'm like those are the only props <laughs> yeah like oh <laughs> on the in the backpack on the truck and so that's a surprise. I would have to say that this one actually nets out as a trek. Yeah. That's why they say steal from the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and steal from yourself, they say, too. That's, that's true. Uh, next week, too many cues. I'll be joined by Kat Spada of Feminist Frequency Radio to discuss Death Wish from Star Trek Voyager's second season. Q seeks asylum on Voyager. But wait a mm. minute. That's not John Delancey's cue until the John Delancey cue shows up and Riker's there for some reason. What? What? Don't forget to check out the animated specials we're doing every month as well uh, on Friday. So next week, in addition to Death Wish, uh, we're going to have another bonus where we play Check, Mary Kill with two animated episodes. And as of this recording, I don't know which ones they're going to be. So we'll find out together. Oh, I may or may not be on those. I don't even know. I don't, I've lost track of the schedule already. I don't know. Yeah. I, you could so be. If, I, if, I, if I'm not on there, sorry. Or maybe you, you don't like me and you're, you're only going to the ones I'm not on, which is fine. All the uh, demographics and all the feedback I get is like, if it was just Kristen, that would be good too. So <laughs> Just me talking to myself? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> You know, if Brian were here, this would suck. So it's good that it's just me. That's, you can just I always say like that. that. I'm always saying that. <laughs> I was like, I'm having the best time. You know why? <laughs> no, Brian. That's, that's what you're going to be saying on the Matterhorn. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, we. Yeah. yeah. This is Eat so it, much Brian. more fun because Brian's not here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so until next week, TMK out. Bye.